Amen. As we prepare to worship our God this morning, we want to give God all the glory, honor, and praise. Those of you that are in the house and those that are watching us online, would you put your hands together and celebrate the mere fact that God has allowed for us to be able to gather in this space one more time. I want to say good morning to all of those who are watching us this morning. If you're watching us on Facebook, Vimeo, YouTube, or engaging in our live chat panel, our church website, or even if you're watching us on Zoom, welcome to St. Paul Online. Our digital ministers and social media influencers are ready to engage you this morning. So real quick, we want you to do several things if you're able to. If you're watching us on Facebook, share on your personal timeline. Tag others that you want to join on this post. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We want to get up to at least 2,000 subscribers by the summer. Text the link of this worship service to your personal network. If you're in the chat room on our church website, click on the invite button in your chat window to share this experience with others. And also, we would love for you to, in your own comment section, just give us the location where you're watching us from. We have people that are watching us from all over the country, and we don't take that for granted, but we want to know where you're watching us from. So wherever you're watching us from, be it Charlotte or anywhere else in the country or the world, if you would, just put that in the chat, and we will, of course, thank God and celebrate and, of course, respond appropriately. So those of you who are able, if you would, Let's give the Lord praise. I'm going to ask that Brother Ben Pate will come, and he's going to lead us in our worship experience. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. The word of the Lord says in Psalms 150, verse 6, says everything that has breath, praise the Lord. So if you come to praise the Lord today, let God hear your praise through your mask as we give God the honor and praise. Join us as we uh, with our opening hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy.
Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is found in the book of Psalm, verse 16. And we'll, we will be reading verses 1 through 6 out of the New King James Version. Psalm 16, verses 1 through 6. And it reads, Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, You are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. As the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied. Who, who haste after another God, their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance, and my cup, you maintain my lot. The, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Let us go to God in prayer. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you. We give you glory this morning and we give you honor. Thank you, God, for waking us up and giving us another day. Thank you, God, for seeing us through trials and tribulations and keeping us from danger seen and unseen. Now, God, we offer this service into your hands that you have your way in this place, that we may give you the glory and the honor that you deserve. God, it's because your name is great. Thank you for being a provider, a protector, and foreseeing everything we need. Now, God, as we worship you today, we lift your name high. Yes, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
you're excited to be worshiping the God who is, the God who is faithful. Man, oh man, come on, give, give a round of applause, give some praise to our God, our Jesus uh, this morning. We're here to celebrate him. Thank you, thank you, men's choir. Thank you, Reggie, uh, for blessing us with that um, just wonderful song. It's good to be back with you all. Um, as uh, we continue, uh, we're going to go uh, back into these impact moments. Um, I'm so blessed to be able to continue these um, with our children, with our youth, with all the kids at heart out there. Uh, we're going to jump back into these impact moments as uh, we look towards um, prayerfully and hopefully uh, getting back in person for impact worship in the month of March. Um, that is the goal, second Sunday in March. So, man, be in prayer um, with us as we just continue to pray and look to God for wisdom and just how to handle that. Because God knows, man, we really want to see our kids um, safe, secure, and just having a really awesome time worshiping the Lord. Um, and I definitely miss them a lot. So uh, please uh, just be, be in prayer with us for that. So, man, today we are going to have uh, we're going to have a little bit um, of a of a discussion about mission about mission and what that looks like, especially mission um, for uh, this children and this youth ministry here at St. Paul. I'm excited for this. The title of uh, this uh, message this morning is Mission Impact. Mission Impact. The memory verse for us comes from Luke chapter 4, uh, verses 18 and 19. Um, this is Jesus reading from, uh, reading from the scroll of Isaiah. He says um, in verses 18 and 19 of Luke 4, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The bottom line or the main point that I want us to get from today's message is this. We are sent to make an impact like Jesus did. We are sent to make an impact like Jesus did. My question for us this morning is, who are you? Who are you? I ask myself, who am I? We, we ask ourselves these questions to think about, man, when, when people ask me, who is Peyton? Or for you, who is, who is Aiden? Who is Courtney? Who is Calvin? When they ask you your name and they ask you who you are, what you are about, they're asking your identity. They want to know who you are, what makes up the person that you are, who the person that God has made you to be. You see, when I was in children and youth ministry, it's little Pepe. Oh, Pepe, man. I was always into the wrong things when it came to my identity, who I was. Whether it was baseball or it was, man, what people said about me or it was relationships or it was the things that I even myself believed about me or whether it was academics, good grades, you know, trying to make those or if it was just anything else that was outside of God, it was always in the wrong things. And I say that these are the wrong things because when we have our identity in these things, no matter how good they are, man, our identity can become shaken when these things start going bad. These, man, when, whether they're going good or they're going bad, man, our feelings can change based off how these areas of our life are going because these areas change. Our God doesn't. Man, whether you're in elementary, middle, or high school, chances are that you've probably struggled with some form of your identity. Whether it's come from the, uh, the pressure or the tendency to believe the things that people say about you, the things that you see on social media, uh, the things that you see in other people's life that you compare to your own, 
or in the grades that you might get in school that you think define who you are. You see, identity is so important. Identity is a big part of my personal story, and I think it's a big, a big part, a huge part about what our children and youth, what you guys deal with on a daily basis. And because of that, it's why our mission statement for the St. Paul Children and Youth Ministry will be this for this upcoming year and for the time that I will be your children and youth pastor here. Our mission statement is this. We exist to share the impactful gospel truth that our students' identity is in Jesus Christ who loves them and calls them by name. You see, if we can believe in Jesus, the one who remains the same yesterday, today, and forever, if we can believe in the one, the rock, that we can base our entire life upon, man, it will change everything. If we can believe that, man, God loves us, that he cares for us, that he calls us by name, that he wants to know us personally, our whole life will change. The way that we look at it, the way that we live it, man, we'll believe differently and we'll live our lives differently as a result. You see, Jesus loves you all. He calls you by name this morning. And it's because of that that I believe he has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. You see, Jesus believes that you can make an impact in your world, in your community, in your families, in the world around you. And man, this bottom line, this main point that I want us to get today, we are sent to make an impact like Jesus did. That's why the name of our ministry is Impact. You see, in our verses for today, Jesus pops up in the temple after being tempted in the wilderness by Satan. He pops up after being tempted with all kinds of things for Satan to get him to doubt his identity, to doubt his purpose, to doubt who God has come down to be in the form of Jesus. But you see, Jesus, he comes preaching to the religious people in the temple. He knows his mission. He knows his purpose. He knows what he has been sent to earth to do. You see, Jesus is heaven come down. He is the kingdom of God in the flesh. He was present to proclaim good news to the poor, to, to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, Jesus' message is that it doesn't matter your social status. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter your sins or mistakes or what you are held down by. It doesn't matter what people say about you or whether you are, man, in, whether for at that time, whether you were enslaved to other people, man, because God says that you are free. God says that you are his. God says that you belong to him and that you have a name and that he calls you by it. So, man, Jesus is here saying the same thing for us today, that, man, if you're if you're if you're poor, whether it's from money or whether it's man poor as in you just don't have a lot in this world. The good news is that, man, Jesus is here and he promised heavenly riches for you. If you're a prisoner to sin, man, if you're a prisoner and you're held captive by your sin, by your past mistakes, or man, you just don't think that you can get it right when it comes to obeying your parents or following the rules that God has set for you, man, don't worry because Christ says that you are free. If you're blind and you can't find which road to take in life, if you're worried about those next steps after high school that you will go on into in college, if you're worried about the scariness of middle school and what that means for you, it doesn't matter. That fear, that anxiety that you have, man, God says, man, forget that. God says, take, take the road that I've given before you. Follow me. Make my word a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your pathway. 
Because the good news is this, that we can make this year a year of God's favor. We can make this year a year where we impact the community, our family, man, everything around us. And we can do it because Jesus loves us and he calls us by name. You see, guys, we are sent. We are sent and we are sent to make an impact just like Jesus did. And it's my prayer and it's my hope as your youth pastor to see that vision and to see it through. I love you all and I pray that you'll be with me on it. Parents, St. Paul, be with me on this. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise. Thank you. Thank you, Reverend C, for uh, that challenge as far as our um, children and youth ministry and really for this church is concerned. And to all of those that are in the Lord's house, um, good morning. Good morning. Uh, in a moment, we're going to be dedicating uh, our children and youth and doing a special litany for them. Uh, but at this particular time, there are just a couple of things I want to share with you all as far as our time together is concerned. Um, first of all, just to let you all know that we have love notes that's coming up on February the 5th, 2022 at 7 o'clock p.m. We want you to join our marriage ministry for love notes, a celebration of unconditional love. Our guest facilitators will be Bishop Rudolph McKissick Sr. and his wife, uh, uh, First Lady Estelle McKissick. And although this is a virtual event open to all, the registration is open on Eventbrite to receive gift boxes on the, the day of the event. So we want all of our uh, couples, if you would, go to Eventbrite, register for this. Uh, the McKissicks have been married for over 50 plus years. And uh, the Lord has allowed for their marriage to be a blessing to their church and as well as to others in their space. And they're in their 90s, um, but the Lord has preserved them quite well. And so we want you to join us uh, and glean the wisdom as far as that's concerned. The other thing I want to share with you is that we're getting ready to have the winter session of our sermon conversations that's going to start in February. If you want to get a preview of the classes, introduction to the facilitators, become familiar with the format and understand uh, how this can be another way for you to study the word of God with others, they will take my sermons um, and they will create a study guide and questions from the sermon that I preached that Sunday before. And you will have the opportunity to study with other disciples in a small group. And so if you would like to... Um, Join Sermon Conversations, register uh, for an informational session this Wednesday at 6.30 to get any questions. Go to the church website, stpaul.church slash sermon conversations. It's going to be a quarter, and we're going to have six groups, and a new addition is going to be led by Reverend C for our teens ages 16 to 18. Um, let me reduce that. Let me make that 15 to 18. All right, 15 to 18. And I would love for 500 of us to connect with sermon conversations as far as a small group is concerned. So if you've never done it before, I guarantee uh, once you share in it, it will bless you beyond measure. The other thing I want to share is, of course, 
Um, and I want to share this um, for those that are here as well as those that are watching us online. Again, we are still in the middle of a pandemic. And interestingly, the numbers continue to go up. We want to try to keep St. Paul open um, as long as we possibly can. Uh, but it really means strict adherence to certain protocols and procedures. And so uh, in order to make this work so that we can gather in this space for those that want to come and participate in church physically, uh, we need you to do several things. And I am strongly um, um, uh, emphasizing getting vaccinated. Okay. We used to suggest you get vaccinated, but no, get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. Stephen A. Smith, I like to watch ESPN first take. Stephen A. Smith, um, who had been out of pocket for about a month, had COVID. He shared last week that if he had not been vaccinated, he would be dead. Now, he had to go to the hospital. They put him in ICU. Uh, it was tough touch and go there. But the doctors told him, had he not been vaccinated, he would not be alive right now. The vaccine works. You don't have to die from COVID. The vaccine works. It does not keep you from getting COVID, but if you get it, COVID does not have to take you out because you're vaccinated. So get vaccinated, get boosted. Uh, I got a note from our church administrator, Sister Karen Archibald, that Atrium wants to partner with us, and we're going to work out uh, the um, uh, how we're going to flow. But I believe for the month of February and March, they're looking at having a vaccination every Wednesday, uh, every week for the month of February and March here at church. And Karen asked me, do we want to do that? I was like, in all caps and about five or six exclamation marks, yes. So we're going to be a vaccination site uh, once they work out all the details during the month of February and March every Wednesday. And we'll let you all know the times as far as that's concerned. But get vaccinated, get boosted. It works. Now, if you're sick, I want y'all to hear me at home as well as in the house. Even if you're sick right now, you don't feel well. If you don't feel well, I need you to leave. I'm serious. Just assume you have COVID and I need you to leave. I don't want you coming to church sick, making other folks sicker. I need you to leave. If you come to church and you don't feel well, go home and go get tested. Amen. Walls. Um, uh, don't it, listen. If you wake up that morning, you have a headache, uh, you're coughing real bad. Uh, and y'all thought I was joking, but if your pinky toe hurts, stay home, stay home, go get tested and, and just assume you may be, uh, positive with the virus until you are tested. Here's what I want you all to understand. We've had people in this congregation who have tested positive, um, and some of us know them. And we want to, again, keep the church open for as long as we can, 
but it requires you to help us to make that a working reality. So um, uh, please, ma'am, please, sir, if, if you're not feeling well, stay home, check us out online uh, until you're able to feel better. And we're going to try to stay open as long as the city of Charlotte, the county of Mecklenburg, or the state of North Carolina uh, will permit us to do this. Uh, we are transitioning, though, from a pandemic to an endemic. What does that mean? Because you and your cousins, or maybe I should say your cousins, rather, um, of all persuasions, won't act right and won't do right and won't get vaccinated, we're going to have to deal with this like the flu. That possibly every year for a moment, uh, for a while rather, we're going to have to take shots and get vaccinated because this is not going to go away because people want to assert their rights, not wear a mask, not get a shot, but they're asserting their rights and their rights are killing us. All right. So let me just say, I need for you all again, please, ma'am, please, sir, go get vaccinated. Go get vaccinated. All right. Having said all that, um, I want to at this time, um, if you're watching us online, we have a litany for our children and our youth. For I would like for all of those that are uh, under the age of 18, 18 on down. If you're in the house, would you stand? Um, um, and if you're watching us online, uh, if you're sitting down, I want you to stand. And there's going to be a role for the congregation, but there also be a role for our children and youth that will be on the screen that I would like for you all to say. So, um, anyone in the sanctuary that's 18 and younger, would you please stand? If you're 18 and younger, God bless you. God bless you. There's going to be some words on the screen in just a moment. Uh, as we dedicate you all and consecrate you at this moment. So, God is concerned about our children and our youth in the church and in our communities. It is up to the church to nurture, nourish, and love our young people. It is up to the church to liberate them from the negative influences and effects of society and help them to be the boys and girls, the young ladies and young men that God wants them to be. Congregation. Can you read the congregation part? Children and youth, here's your line. If you would, repeat. Jesus said in Matthew 19, 14, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. If the church is going to be relevant and meaningful in the new millennium, we must take the challenge seriously and convince our children and youth that God loves them we must help them to understand that they can have a relationship with God 
when they are young because God is more interested in willingness than in age. Congregation. And children and youth, if you would repeat after me, we should not let the excitement. Can, can y'all repeat after me? Those that are standing, we should not let the excitement. Okay, it's only three of us here. All right. Uh, a being young calls us to forget God. The Bible says, I hear you, that we are to honor God. In our youth, we can honor God by having a relationship with Jesus, obeying our parents, and serving in the church. All right. The children and youth are not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. We must prepare them for tomorrow. We cannot despise our children and our youth. We must compassionately embrace them, lovingly correct them, faithfully educate them, and unconditionally love them. We are called to do this because that is what God does for us. Congregation. And then our children and youth, if you would repeat after me, we therefore commit ourselves to seek God's will for our life. Listen to our elders and do our best in whatever task we do. We know that God loves us. We need God to help us love him and each other. We need God to make us the men and women that God wants us to be. We place ourselves in God's hands for God's protection and help. Let us bow our heads for a word of prayer. God, we come to you right now and we thank you, O oh God, for our children and our youth. We thank you for the ministerial leadership of Reverend Peyton C. and all those who work with him to show our youth that they are loved by you. In today's culture, O oh God, our youth and children are faced with so many challenges. Things that they gather from social media and impact upon their personhood. And yet, God, we pray that you will... Put the helmet of salvation around their minds. Put the breastplate of righteousness around their hearts. Gird them in truth. Give them the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Shod their feet 
with tennis shoes that will allow for them to carry the gospel. Thank you, oh God, for our young people. We don't take them for granted. And help St. Paul be a safe place, a citadel, a place where they could come and wrestle with faith, knowing that we will do whatever we can to show them your love and grace. It is in Jesus' name we pray, and in his name we claim it done. Amen. Can you do me a favor in the house and online? Put your hands together for our young people, our children, our youth. You may be seated. Thank you for being in this worship experience. Thank you for those that are joining us online. We're getting ready to go to the Lord in prayer. We got a lot of prayer concerns that we want to bring before you today. A lot of prayer concerns, a lot of prayer concerns. And as we bring these prayer concerns before you, we lift up the family of Sister Hope Patricia Raleigh, the daughter of Disciple Brother Charles Raleigh and Sister Mary Raleigh. Her services will be Tuesday, January 25th at Spencer Funeral Home in Mount Airy, North Carolina. Service is going to be at 1. The family of Mother Gertrude Hamilton, the mother of Annie Ruth Caldwell, her services will be this Thursday, January the 27th at Triumph Baptist Church in Philadelphia. Quiet hours at 10 and the services are at 11. And of course, Mother Hamilton, who was a longtime disciple here, would have been 106 years old in June. Uh, the Lord has called her from labor to sweet rest. And we thank God for her life. The family of Sister Betty Martin, uh, sister of Deacon Arvette Pearson, and sister-in-law of Deacon Ted Pearson. Her services will be Friday, January 28th at Russell Funeral Home in Winston-Salem. Quiet hour at 12.30 and the services will be at 1. The family of Reverend Robert L. Massey, the brother-in-law of disciple Brother James Currents and disciple Deborah Currents. Graceside service will be Tuesday. February the 1st at the VA National Cemetery in Salisbury. And those services will be at 1. The family of Sister Regina Woods, sister of disciple brother Reginald Woods, and sister-in-law of Wanda Woods. Um, those services are pending. The family of Sister Deborah Hawkins, the sister of Gwendolyn Caldwell, her services are pending as well. And we want to lift them up in prayer. As far as bereavement notices, we lift up the family of Brother Wilbert Andrew Scott, the family of Brother Jason Walker, and the family of Brother Tory Orlando Grady. Wilbert Scott is the brother of Paulette Hinton. Jason Walker is the cousin of Reverend D'Angelo Dia, the young man that was shot by the off-duty police officer in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And the family of Brother Tory. Grady, who is the brother of Sister Elita Wesley. As far as prayer concerns for those that are in the hospital or sick, Frank Bennett, we continue to lift up our pastor um, emeritus, Dr. Paul Drummond, and his wife, Lady Thomasina. And there are other names that will be scrolling up and down the list. I'm going to ask that Minister Pate, Reverend Pate, rather, will come. Take us to the throne of grace at this particular time. God our Father and God our Redeemer. In these troubling times, God, thank you for being our refuge. Thank you for being a present help 
God, for the names that were called and the names that are scrolling right now, God, we lift the families up to you. As they bereave their loved ones, God, we ask you that you help them transition through grief. God, we ask you that you give them strength in ways that only you know how to provide. Because, God, we know that you watch over us carefully as we care as we cast our cares upon you. God, we know that tomorrow is not promised, so we thank you for today. God, we give you honor and praise for everything that you do in our lives, even when it hurts. And when pain is knocking at our door, God, your presence is keeping us together. So, God, we pray right now as you continue to move throughout each and every family situation. God, each and every prayer request that is spoken and unspoken. God, we pray that you just begin to move in a mighty way. God, you begin to do what only you can do. God, fix. God, heal. Yes, yes. God, redeem. God, deliver. And for someone, God, that is feeling hopeless right now, God, God, remind them that you will never leave them. You will never forsake them. And you are right there with them in the midst of their pain. God, we praise you. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's give God praise if you believe your prayer and that prayer is being answered. Thank you, Reverend Pate. Thank you, Reverend Pate. Brothers and sisters, what a blessed time it is for us to prepare to give as far as this moment is concerned. And here at St. Paul, there are several ways in which you can give. As a matter of fact, I'm giving right now as I'm talking to you. And so as we prepare to give, uh, the first way you can give is by either mailing your check or money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205. Or you can drop off your check, money order, or cash here at the church. Call the church office at 704-334-5309 to make sure someone is here to receive your offering and put it in the safe. Second way you can give is through our website, either ACS or Church Life. You can give in that manner. Third way you can give is through the app called Givelify. And if you don't have that app on your smart device, download that app. Connect it to your favorite credit card, and in three clicks, you can give. And then for those that are in the house, if you have a physical offering, there's a basket on the pew in front of you that you can just drop your offering in at the appropriate time, and our team will receive that offering um, and count it. So however you're giving right now, if you would, take your offering, and if you're able, place it in your right hand, and let's lift it to the heaven. We want to give God what's right not what's left, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you right now for the wonderful opportunity to partner with you in giving. We give, oh God, not grudgingly, nor out of necessity, but cheerfully. Why? Because you love the cheerful giver. For those that are practicing the discipline of giving tithes and offerings, bless them according to your word. For those that may not necessarily be tithing, but giving something, we pray you will increase their faith so that they can get in obedience in accordance to your word. Then, God, for those who feel like they don't have to do anything or give anything, continue to touch their hearts and let them know they can't be too given no matter how hard they try. And shift their minds to become even more generous. God, take these gifts of ours, multiply them in a Godful way, 
because you're so, we're sowing into great ground here at the St. Paul Church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For those that have a physical offering, there's a basket in front of you. If you would, just drop your offering in that basket. Our team will receive it. We thank God for you. Brothers, come and bless us with your gift of song.
trust me with your heels. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me in this pandemic. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me in your family. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me with your children. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me with your spouse. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me with your job. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me in the school. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Anybody trust him today? Don't play with me. Anyone trust him today? Thank you, brothers. Thank you. Thank you. Darius, if you could help me out here. Um, I want to call your attention for the time that is mine to Genesis chapter 13. I'm going to be reading from the message translation. Um, as far as uh, this morning's sharing is concerned. Genesis chapter 13, and I'm going to read it in its entirety um, to sense what it is that the Lord wants us to glean from this. It's from the message translation. And if I can get a little bit more in my monitors, it would be greatly appreciated. Genesis chapter 13. Um, starting at verse 1, the message translation. So Abram left Egypt and went back to the Negev, he and his wife and everything he owned, and Lot still with him. By now, Abraham was very rich, loaded with cattle and silver and gold. He moved on from the Negev, camping along the way, to Bethel, the place where he had first set up his tent, between Bethel and Ai and built his first altar. Abraham prayed there to God. Lot, who was traveling with Abram, was also rich in sheep and cattle and tents. But the land could not support both of them. They had too many possessions. They could not both live there. Quarrels broke out between Abram's shepherds and Lot's shepherds. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living on the land at the time. Abram said to Lot, let us not have fighting between us, between your shepherds and my shepherds. After all, we're family. Look around. Isn't there plenty of land out there? Let's separate. If you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. Lot looked. He saw the whole plain of the Jordan spread out, well watered. This was before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like God's garden, like Egypt, and stretching all the way 
to Zoir. Lot took the whole plain of the Jordan. Lot set out to the east. That's how they came to part company, uncle and nephew. Abram settled in Canaan. Lot settled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. The people of Sodom were evil, flagrant sinners against God. After Lot separated from him, God said to Abram, open your eyes, look around, look north, south, east, and west. Everything you see, the whole land spread out before you, I will give to you and your children forever. I will make your descendants like dust. Counting your descendants will be as impossible as counting the dust on the earth. So, on your feet, get moving. Walk through the country, its length and breadth. I'm giving it all to you. Abraham moved his tent. He went and settled by the oaks of Mamre in Hebron. There, he built an altar to God. I want to preach for the time that is mine as the Holy Spirit gives Permission and utterance, trust God for the best. Trust God for the best. One of the most wonderful things about being in relationship with God is that we have access to certain benefits, privileges, and blessings. Because God is who God is, when you and I embark upon a journey with the divine, There are some things we're going to receive because we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. However, I will contend that many of us who have started on this journey with God have settled. We settle for mediocrity. The reason that we settle for mediocrity is because we're not accustomed to having anything. So when we get a little something, some of us don't know how to act. We can become brand new. The word mediocrity basically means average. And for some, while there's nothing wrong with being average, I want you to know that God desires the best for each and every one of you. But many of us settle. We settle in our relationships. By not improving ourselves, we settle on the job, becoming content with where we are. We settle in school, doing just enough to get by. We settle in our finances, working month for month and living from paycheck to paycheck. We settle in our health, not doing the things to improve our health. And we settle in our spirituality. We're just happy to be saved, but we're not trying to be a disciple. The reason that many of us settle for mediocrity, the reason why so many of us are content with what is good rather than striving for the best is because we want to assert our rights and we want to have our way rather than relying and depending upon God. While we have a relationship with God, we do not operate with faith, which makes dreams possible and visions a reality. We are so afraid to trust God because we want what we see in the present when God has something a lot better in our future. 
We've allowed our feelings to outweigh our future. While faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, many of us operate with what we can see, what we can touch, what we can feel, and what we can hear. In other words, we want what is good when God is trying to give us the best. When you and I begin to live a life of faith that is authentic, a whole new world of possibilities and gratifying potential can open up to you. Interestingly, these things are yours by right. However, when you're living a life of faith, hear me and hear me well, you will exercise your right to waive your right and let God make the choice for you. I'm not talking about asking God to choose what you're going to wear to work or school because some of us can come to God with some pretty petty mess. But when you're facing crucial decisions impacting destiny, you need to depend on the one who knows your future and desires the best for you. Many of us have choices we can make, but depending upon the choice we make will determine who we will become and what we will be in the future. God will sometimes allow you to get to a place of testing whereby your welfare would be the most appropriate thing to consider if you weren't living a life of faith. Check this out for a moment. In other words, you will want things your way because you feel entitled. However, when you live a life of faith, you will forego your right and allow God to make the choice for you. We see this in the culture today, whereby there are certain persons asserting their rights not to wear a mask and not to get vaccinated, which can save them and others around them. But they are asserting their rights. Rather than trusting God. This is the discipline God uses to transform the natural into the spiritual and bring the spiritual into the natural through obedience to the voice of God. When you and I assert our rights, at times it becomes the guiding force for our lives. And if we're not careful, our rights can dull our spiritual sensitivity. Many times the problem we face in our walk with God is not necessarily sin, but is not making the best choice along the way. I want to let you all know that the greatest enemy to a life of faith in God is not necessarily your sin, but is good choices, which aren't quite good enough because good is always the enemy of the best. We can be good and we can have good things, but our goodness is not good enough. And when we think what is good may not actually be what God desires for us because God has something a whole lot better. And such is the case in the biblical narrative that is described here in Genesis chapter 13. In Genesis 13, the patriarch Abram is in a land dispute with his nephew Lot. God has had a personal encounter with Abram in Genesis chapter 12, 
where God tells Abram to go to a land that he's going to show him. Leave his father's house. God told Abram that he was going to make him a great nation and that Abram's name would be so great and how he's going to be a blessing to all nations. But there's a problem with the promise that God has made Abram. Abram at the time didn't have much money. And Abram and Sarai at the time are childless. How in the world you going to be a great nation if you have no offsprings? Uh, how in the world you going to be a great nation but you don't have an heir? Time was not on their side. In Genesis chapter 12, Abraham is about 75 years old. Sarah is about 65 years old. And I don't know about you all, but back then they did not have in vitro fertilization. Back then they did not have access to an OBGYN. Back then they did not have the medical technology that we have in today's culture. How are you going to be a great nation if you have no child? But Abraham gave up his right to argue with God and took God at his word. Embarked on a journey with God and did not have a destination or a map. Had no idea where he was going. Did not have Google Maps. Did not have Apple Maps. Did not have Wave. He just started walking. And as he started walking, we are told that his nephew, Lot, decides to roll with him. A famine comes to the land where they were hanging out. And they decided to go to Egypt because apparently Egypt was not in a famine situation. They go to Egypt for refuge. Abraham tells Sarah to pretend that she is his half sister because Pharaoh had the goo-goo eyes for Sarah. Pharaoh had the goo-goo eyes for Sarah and if Pharaoh knew that Sarah was Abram's wife, uh, he might kill Abram so that he can have Sarah. This boy works until God steps in and sends a plague all the way down to Egypt because Abram had lied to Pharaoh. When Pharaoh discovers that Abram had lied, he kicked him and the party out of Egypt. Abram leaves Egypt, but somehow while he was in Egypt, he got him a little money, livestock, and gold and silver. Interestingly, his nephew Lot, because he was rolling with Abram, Wind up getting some stuff as well. And he becomes a little chieftain by then too. So they had gone to an area that really could not support, sustain, and keep both of them. Problems arose because they were trying to make it on the same piece of land. These men started fighting over the same grazing spots. Civil war almost broke out in the Negev. And I have discovered that some of our biggest problems, some of our greatest stumbling blocks, some of our most tumultuous heartbreaks can come from family. Abram had been taking care of his uh, nephew Lot, and now all of a sudden, brother man wants to trip. I don't know about you, but I have lived long enough to discover that sometimes your family can be the greatest source of your grief. Abram had a right, hear me well, to demand Lot go and find some other space. Why? Because Abram is the elder. But when you operate from a position of faith, sometimes you got to let others have their way. You must be willing to trust God that God has something better for you. 
So Abram comes to Lot with this solution. And if I could, let me scotinize it. Abram comes to Lot and says, Lot, bruh, I don't want any trouble. We's kin, but we can't stay here. Uh, if you want to choose a piece of land you want, then do that. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. But here's the deal. Uh, we can't do this thing together. Lot saw the valley of the Jordan was well watered and he went in that direction. Abram stayed in the land of Canaan. Then the Lord came to Abram and said, look around and all the land you see, I'm going to give it to you and your descendants forever. In other words, Lot got a good piece of land, but Abram had the best when it came to the land of Canaan. Why? Because the land of Canaan will be referred to as the land flowing with milk and honey. The land of Canaan will be referred to one day as the promised land. So I want to wrestle with something, if I can, just for a moment. What happens when you trust God for the best? I want to let you know that first trusting God for the best does not exempt you from the problems of life. Let me say that again. Trusting God for the best does not exempt you from the problems of life. We see this in verses 1 through 7. Life is not a bowl of cherries, but life really becomes tedious when you don't settle for mediocrity, when you're striving for something better. God wants the best for each and every one of us. But when you start reaching for the best, it seems like all sorts of problems break out. Anything worth having will not come easy. Let me say that again. Anything worth having will not come easy. You should not be satisfied with being marginal or average or mediocre when we serve a God who is not marginal, average or mediocre. You should not be satisfied for the good when God has the best. You should not be satisfied with where you are when God we serve is the best and has the best to offer you. Notice the text says that Abram is having problems with his relatives. Lot was his nephew, but Lot and his folks, his boys, were given Abram the blues. St. Paul and those that are watching me online, when God has the best destined for you, please, ma'am, please, sir, understand the enemy will come and sow seeds of strife and division just to get you distracted. When you're trying to get the best position on your job, it seems like a problem pops up that creates distraction. Managers start tripping. Co-workers won't help you on the project. When you're in school and you don't want to settle for C's, D's, and F's, you're trying to strive for A's and B's, distractions will come in the form of negative peer pressure. Classmates may call you a geek and a nerd. You may be bullied and picked on, talked about, scrutinized, and left out. But I'm here to encourage you don't you settle for what seems to be good when God wants to give you the best. When you're trying to give God the best in your worship, there are going to be some distractions. Have you ever noticed that when you come to worship and you want to give God your very best, be it physically or virtually, there are some distractions? If you're watching online... There's some distractions because you're tracking the comments rather than focusing on the screen. Uh, if you're in church, 
while you got your mind stayed on Jesus, you might have a seatmate that wants to talk to you through the mask about everything except worship. Want to talk about the pastor. Want to talk about what they don't like in worship. Want to talk about what happened last week at work. Want to talk about how the family is driving them crazy. Want to talk about what's happening on the latest soap opera, the latest comedy, the latest drama, or the latest Ben watch. When you are focused, people will pose problems because they are not satisfied with where they are and they don't want you to go any higher than them. Jealousy. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Jealousy becomes the watchword of the day. And there are quite a few folks in your circle that have a crab in the barrel mentality. That when you're trying to get out of the barrel, like crabs, they're trying to pull you back down into the barrel. And here's what they would do when you try to strive for the best. They're going to talk about you. Yes, ma'am. They're going to talk about you. Yes, sir. They're going to say you're sedity and stuck up. They're going to say you're conceited and arrogant. They're going to say you're self-centered and egocentric. But I want to raise this proverbial question. Why you want to be around somebody, excuse my English, who don't want nothing, ain't doing nothing, and ain't going to be nothing? All right, I know it's getting real quiet. I know that's not good English, but that's great philosophy. I want to be around somebody that's striving for the best. I want to be around somebody that's trying to move from where they are and get to a better place. Lot was crazy because in a sense, Lot abandoned the channel for his blessings. I'm here to let somebody know that right now when life poses problems your way because you're striving for the best, that there are folks that don't even realize that the only reason they are blessed, watch this, is because they're connected to you. I'm trying to help the saints right now. I'm trying to help the saints right now. God has done some major and marvelous and miraculous things in your life. And the very people who have been connected to you have been blessed not because of anything they have done. That they are blessed by the mere fact that they are hanging out in your space and they're getting the overflow of the blessings that God has for you. I don't know to whom I'm speaking right now, but you need to understand that God has blessed you in an incredible way. And the folks that are in your space right now, the only reason they have what they have is because they are connected to you. And the only reason you got what you got is because you're connected to the God that is able to make a way out of no way. But next... When God is trying to give you the best, remember, everything that glitters is not gold. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. It's right there in the text, verse 8 through 13. Everything that glitters is not gold. Notice, Lot looked down and saw the Jordan, saw the plains were well watered, saw the verdant green pastures. He thought he was getting over. It looked good. And, And Lot thought He had the best. But beyond what looked good, help me preach this thing, God. There were a couple of cities by the name of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, Beyond the Jordan, you had these infamous, notorious cities by the name of Sodom 
and Gomorrah, and they were filled with such vile and vice until it made God want to vomit. Sodom and Gomorrah made God divinely sick. There's a spiritual lesson that I want to get over to you right now. Just because, help me preach this thing, it looks good on the surface. That mean is good once you get there. All right, it's going to be one of those days I'm going to go ahead and plow through anyway. Some of you have pursued jobs that pay more money only to discover when you got there, you almost lost your mind trying to keep that job. Ah, uh, there are some of you who are in marriages and relationships with someone who looked good on the surface. Uh-oh, they had to walk, they had to talk. They had the figure, they had the money, they had the charms, they had the looks. They drove the right kind of car, lived in the right kind of neighborhood. And somewhere along the way, if I can say what I really want to say, they rocked your world and opened your nose so wide you could drive an 18-wheeler through it. Can I be honest right now? Y'all ain't going to get mad at me? Can, can, can I really be honest right now? When you got to know brother man and sister girl, you discovered they were crazy as all get up. They, and, 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 and here's the thing. And I know, I'm, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in your living room right now. We're getting ready to go to the kitchen table. They told you they were crazy. And you thought you could change them. You thought you could do for them what God had not even done for them. And now you find yourself stuck in a marriage or stuck in a relationship getting the mess beaten out of you. You're in a relationship where you're being used as an ATM machine and your body like a sex machine. Just because he's six foot four, weighed 220, driving a Mercedes, making six figures, got the body of Idris Elba, the smile of Denzel Washington, and the charm of Wilson. Smith does not mean he's the best. Just because she's paper brown, pretty, long hair, pretty brown eyes, white teeth, body dimensions 37, 24, 36, that will make J-Lo look silly, Hallie look stupid, and Beyonce look senseless, does not mean she's the best. You better look beneath the surface. Because what looks good might feel good, but it ain't always good for you. Preach this thing, Robert Chaska. Can, can, can I say what looks good on the surface is crazy beneath the surface? Maybe, maybe it's real quiet in here, y'all. Maybe the best is wrapped in a brother who may not be working uptown Charlotte. But he loves the Lord and is making an honest day's wages as a blue collar worker. Maybe the best is not wrapped to look like Janet Jackson, but a sister with some intelligence, common sense on her mind and a love for Jesus in her heart. Remember, everything that glitters is not gold. Next, trusting God for the best requires separation. This is the crux of the matter. In verses 14 through 16, notice how Lot chose the valley of Jordan and went there. The Bible says explicitly they separated from each other. They separated themselves from each other. I wonder why the writer of Genesis put 
this phrase in there with such precision. And they separated from each other. And those words hollered at me, hang out with me just for a moment so you can get the gist of it. Here's what I want you to understand, St. Paul and those that are watching us online. God really wants to bless us with the best, but there may be some people blocking your blessing because our focus is on them and not God. Therefore, God may have to take some people out of your life so that God can put the best things in your life. I know this may bother some of us, but you will not receive all that God has for you until you separate from people who mean you no good. And yes, get ready for them to talk about you. Get ready for them to criticize you. Get ready for them to call you everything but a child of God. But until you shake them, until you separate from them, you can't get all that God has for you. Some of us, if we can be honest, got some negative influences in our lives. Holding us down and keeping us back. And we become stuck. We become stuck in mediocrity. And we believe that where we are right now is as good as it can be. Some of us got old friends. Some of us are still looking at old enemies. Some of us are stuck in old relationships that have done more harm than help. And we are stuck. And here God is trying to shift you, trying to raise you, trying to elevate you. But you got to understand that when God tries to give you the best, Everybody can't roll with you. And the reason everybody can't roll with you, uh oh, here it is, is because they ain't going to be happy for you. And, and, and I want you to know that when the Lord starts moving you up, it gets mighty lonely because it's a whole lot of folks at the bottom. And all they want to do is signify and criticize. But the more you try to rise and the higher you go, uh, your circle becomes smaller. Because everybody ain't going to be happy about what the Lord is doing in your life. All I'm trying to let you know is you can't trust everybody with your dreams, with your visions, with your hopes, with your destiny, with your determination, with your inspiration, with your aspiration, with your blessings. Listen, I know I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. I don't hang around a lot of folks, especially preachers. Y'all laughing. But this preaching fraternity is a strange bunch. And the reason why I don't hang around a lot of folks is because I wouldn't trust some of these folks with my dog. And I don't have a dog. You'll catch that on the way home. I don't know about you, but I don't need to be around somebody that's always creating problems. You and I need to be around someone who's going to bless us. Pray for us, encourage us, lift us, correct us, and love us despite our mistakes, our missteps, and our mishaps. You don't need to be around somebody smiling in your face and dogging you out behind your back. 
You don't need anyone waiting to see you mess up so they can slide in and take your place. You don't need anyone who wants to see you fall flat on your face. You got to be mindful that you got all types of people like that on your job, at the school, in your family, and God knows we got them in the church. You can't take everybody with you because when you're striving for the best, they can't handle it when God gives you the best. So there are some folks... uh, that you need to say thank you for going their own way because that was God's way of removing them from your circle so that God could give you what God has for you. Then trusting God means, for the best means, waiting on God to give it to you. Mm-hmm. That's verse 17. When God tries to give you the best, you may experience what is called Delayed gratification. Delayed gratification does not mean denied blessings. Uh, In verse 14 through 16, God told Abram after Lot had left him, now lift up your eyes. Ooh, this is the shout for me. Look around from the place where you are right now. North, south, east, west. For all the land you see. Somebody go get this. I'm giving it to you and your descendants forever. I will make. Mm -hmm. I will make. Let me say that one more time for the Holy Ghost. I will make. That word denotes future occurrence. With present assurance. I will make. All right. I know why some of us can't shout right now because we want God to give us what we want right now. And because we live in a microwave instantaneous society, we want our stuff right now. But God says, I will make the shout for that. You all basically means that if God said it, somebody got it. That, that ought to settle it. Um, 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 I don't know about anybody else, uh, but I like cook grits better than I do instant grits. Uh, yeah, yeah. Somebody going to catch that on the way home. Uh, I, I like cook oatmeal better than I do oatmeal in the pouch. Uh, uh, when I was able to eat waffles, let me have a waffle from the skillet than a waffle that is cooked in the toast like Eggo. We want the best right now, but God says, what I got for you, help me preach this thing. I can't give it to you because right now you ain't ready spiritually, physically, emotionally, or mentally to handle it. All right, I'm just going to preach to myself. The reason why God does not give us the best right now, it ain't because God doesn't have it. Because you, anybody know that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Uh, 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 the reason why God ain't giving you the best right now is not because God can't do it. Because I read in my Bible, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus our Lord. But the reason that God does not give us the best right now is because God knows where you are right now that if God gave it to you, you'll give it back to the devil. 
God knows you ain't ready to handle what God wants to give you. But I believe I got, I see one, I believe I got about four more of you all. I'll make five. They ain't afraid to testify that when the Lord gets ready to bless you with the best, it's because he knows you can handle it. Anybody read in the word where he says, I would have fainted unless I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I need to see if there's anyone at St. Paul that know we still serve a God who's able to bless you in the land of the living. He ain't got to give you your stuff when you're dead. He can give it to you while you're alive. But can I tell you what you need to do? I see the rest of y'all are falling off. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And anybody know he'll strengthen your heart? Wait, I say on the Lord. All right, some of y'all don't want to shout. Y'all don't want to give God praise. But the last time I checked my Bible, my Bible says they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I feel something pushing me. They shall mount up with wings as an eagle. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Anybody know that waiting on God is a whole lot better than you trying to push to get something you ain't ready for. God, I feel like preaching this thing. Uh, uh, when, when God gives you the best Sometimes, ooh, sometimes, then God will give you things that should have been yours in the first place. All right, all right. Go back and read Genesis 13 because you will see God told Abram, look around. That's a shout right there. The land that God promised Abram also included, I, uh, you got it now, also included the land Lot had taken. There are times, preach Robert Charles Scott, when you ain't got to fight for what you deserve, you need to just stand still and watch the Lord bless you anyhow. Because in due time, God will give you what should have been yours in the first place. All right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. My time is up. It's 1134. Uh, but can I drop one more thing on you all? And, and, and it's this. Finally, trusting God for the best will cause you to worship God when you ain't got it. Uh, it, it it's right there in verse 18. It's right there in verse 18. The Bible says, Abram went to Canaan. Abram went to the Oaks of Mamre in Hebron and built an altar. Now I know something simplistic as that. Don't make you shout, but it shouts me. Because Abram did not have the best, but Abram was willing to worship God while he waited for the best. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. I, I know why y'all can't shout because in today's culture, we don't have altars. Uh, we don't have shrine, but back then an altar was erected to commemorate an event. Preach Robert Charles Scott, in which a person who built the altar had some dealings with the true and living God. Mm -hmm. uh, that altar served as a reminder of who God is and what God can do. In your everyday living, you and I got some reminders. My Mississippi is slipping. Uh, 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 what God can do in our lives. 
Lord, don't push me too fast, God. When, when Abram uh, built the altar at Mamre, he was setting up a place where he could worship and praise God. Not because uh, he had gotten what the Lord had told him, but he was praising God on credit. He had not had the possession of the land. He did not have the deed to the land. But all he had was a word from the Lord that said, in your future, I got something for you. And I don't know whom I'm talking to at St. Paul or watching me online right now that know that a word from the Lord is better than hard assets in your hand. Do I have anybody that knows that if God said it, that ought to settle it and you ought to go ahead and bless his holy name. It may not happen when you want it to happen, but I believe I got a few folks at the St. Paul Church who know he may not come when you want him to come, but ain't he always on time? In other words, you ain't got to wait till the battle is over. You ain't got to wait till you get your blessing. You ain't got to wait until you have the land. You can give God praise right now. And do I have anybody at the St. Paul Church? Do I have anybody watching me online that know that God will give it to you when he's ready for you to have it? But you ain't got to wait till you get it to bow down and bless his holy name. Because I got a few folks in the church and a few of y'all online that ain't afraid to testify that when the Lord decides to bless you, won't he bless you real good? Am I talking to anybody that's watching me online? Am I talking to anybody that's in the house right now? Ain't afraid to testify and lift up holy hands and give God praise because you may not have what you think you should have, but God has given you a promise. And if God has given you a promise, you ain't got to wait till you get the promise to build your altar and bless his name because I've discovered I can praise God on credit because when I praise God on credit, I'm showing I got faith in God that he's going to bring the past what he wants to bring. Good morning, St. Paul. May the blood bless you real good. But do I have anybody that ain't afraid to worship God while you're low on the totem pole? Can you worship God while the relationship is being mended? Can you worship God while you're catching hell on your job? Can you worship God while you got a few pennies in the bank account? Can you worship God while we're dealing with COVID? Can you worship God while inflation is rising? Can you worship God while they're trying to take our voting rights? Can you worship God while the dollar is dropping in value? Can you worship God while you're waiting for the best? Who am I talking to in the house right now? Who am I talking to online right now? They ain't afraid to lift up holy hands and give God praise while you wait for the best because the best good God Almighty is yet to come. So I may not have what you think I should have, but I got a God who is able to give it to me when he's good and ready. So I don't know about you, but St. 
all. I'm trusting God. I'm believing God. I'm hoping in God. I'm relying on God. Is there anybody know his grace is more than sufficient? Is there anybody that know the joy of the Lord is your strength? Is there anybody that know my God is able to supply all your needs according to his riches in glory? Anybody know you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loves you? I need all the serious folks that ain't too scared, that ain't too ashamed. Lift up your hands, throw back your head. Bless the Lord with your very best praise. You may not have what you think you should have, but guess what? And here's the shout. It's on the way. 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 Say yeah. Good God Almighty. Say yes. Say yes. Say is on the way the healing is on the way the blessing is on the way whatever God has for you if you know it's on the way go ahead and bless his name right now I'm trusting God I'm trusting God for the best those of you are that are in the house if you wouldn't mind standing I want to I want to let you know right now you can Trust God for the best. As a matter of fact, the very best that God has for you is not in material possessions, but is in his son. <laughs> As a matter of fact, if you don't know who Jesus Christ is, you can have the very best right now. And, and that's a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I want to lead you. Give me about five minutes and we'll be out. I want to lead you in a prayer of new beginnings, in a prayer of a brand new start, uh, in a prayer of new life by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because that's the best that God has to offer. You think it's a new job? A new house, new clothes, new car, new boo or bay. No, it's Jesus. It's, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And so if you're here right now, if you would just repeat this prayer after me, all of us, because for those of us who made the commitment, it's just a reminder. But if you say this prayer and you mean this prayer, it can change your life. So repeat after me. God, I want the best you have for me. And I know the best is Jesus Christ. I believe he died on a cross for my sins. I believe you raised him from the dead. I believe one day he's coming back. But until then... Send your Holy Spirit into my life. 
Give me the best right now. Forgive me of all my sins and help me be the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, I pray this prayer. Amen. Listen and hear me and hear me well. If you prayed this prayer, if you prayed this prayer for real, and you mean it in your head, in your heart, your mind, your spirit, salvation is yours. Is it really that easy? Yeah, because you ain't saved by your works. You ain't saved by coming to church or reading your Bible or paying tithes and offering. You're saved by faith because of God's grace. It's really that easy. It's really that easy. You're saved by grace because of your faith in Jesus Christ. And if you have prayed this prayer and you meant this prayer, if you're watching us online, if you're watching us online, particularly on Facebook or our church website, type in salvation in the chat box. When our digital minister is going to reach out to you, get your email address so that we can know how we need to uh, tell you what to do. Uh, so type in salvation in the chat box right now. And one of our digital ministers is going to contact you and let you know what the next steps are. If you're watching us on YouTube, on the telephone, or um, if you're listening to us on YouTube or, or telephone, email us at connect at sbbc.org or call the church office at 704-334-5309. Leave your name and your number or email address. Someone by 5 o'clock tomorrow will reach out to you and let you know what the next steps are. If you're in the sanctuary right now, you prayed that prayer sincerely, and you want a relationship with God, I just want you to do me this favor. If you're in the house right now, and you want a relationship with God, would you just hold up your hand? If that's you, if that prayer was meant for you, hold up your hand. Nothing to be ashamed of. Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. I don't want you to think that you got to do this walk by yourself. Hold up your hand. Young person, older person, um, educated or uneducated, God accepts you and wants you right now. <laughs> If that's you, would you hold up your hand? Amen. There may be someone watching us online who said, listen, Pastor, I'm already saved. I have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Or you want to unite with us under watch care, which means you're not going to, uh, you're here in the area temporarily. We'll take you either on the watch care. Here's the deal. If you're watching us on Facebook or on our website, type in connect right now. Type in connect online. One of our digital ministers is going to reach out to you, let you know what the next steps are. If you're listening to us on the phone or watching us on YouTube, email us at connect at spbcnc.org or call us at 704-334-5309. Leave your name, your number, and or email address. Someone by 5 o'clock tomorrow, Monday, they will reach out to you by 5 o'clock tomorrow and let you know what the next steps are. If you're in-house and you're looking for a church home, you're looking to connect with a community, with a tribe, I would love to be a pastor. These men and women in-house and virtually would love to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you don't have a church home and you want to connect with the church, if that's you, would you hold up your hand right now? Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. If you have your hand up, my brother, my sister, if you have your hand up, you're looking to connect with the church, would you please come on down? I would love for you. You ain't got to wait till next week. You come on down right now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Can we celebrate this sister that's coming? Can we celebrate this sister that is coming? Will there be another? Will there be another? Will there be another? Will there be another? You're looking for a church home to connect. I would love to be your pastor. These women, women would love to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. Will there be another? Will there be another? The Lord is still adding to the church daily. Will there be another? Will there be another? Will there be another? Will there be another? If you're in the house, we would love for you to come now. Will there be another? If you don't have a church home, 
I would love for you to make St. Paul your home. Will there be another? Will there be another? Will there be another? All right. Uh, those that are in the house and those that are watching us, you can have a seat. To my sister that has come, I want to maintain social distance because I don't have my mask on right now. But God bless you. We're going to celebrate you and give God praise for you. Thank you for honoring and humbling us with the gift of you. I want you to do me this favor. This lovely lady, Deacon Marilyn White, is going to take you to uh, a place where they're going to ask you some questions, have you get, fill out information, and let you know what the next steps are. Um, and as you go out, we're going to cheer for you as if we were at the Spectrum Center cheering on the Charlotte Hornets, all right? Now, you may have never had that, but trust me, these folks in here can make a whole bunch of noise. So as my sister goes out, St. Paul, let's show her. Come on, do those masks, do those masks. Amen. Let's stand. We're getting ready to get out of here. We're getting ready to get out of here. We're getting ready to get out of here. Don't settle for good. Don't settle for average. God has the best for you. So leave this place empowered and rich and enraptured. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. God, we thank you for what our eyes have seen, our ears have heard, our spirits have experienced. Thank you, God, for the brothers who have ushered us in your presence with song. Thank you for our musicians who have played so elegantly. Thank you, oh God, for our ushers who serve so faithfully. Thank you, God, for our first impression ministry that has been so diligently. Thank you, oh God, for our medical team that's so dutifully. Thank you, oh God, for the parking ministry that serves you graciously. Thank you, oh God, for our media ministry uh, that is always on point. Thank you, God, for the ministers that have given aid and assistance today. And thank you, God, for the disciples online as well as in-house, as well as others who have visited us. As we leave from this place, let us not be satisfied with average when you want to give us the best. Dismiss us from this moment, never from your presence. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with all exceeding joy. To only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever glory. And the people of God said, amen. Do me a favor. If you're in the house, please take your seat. Allow for yourselves to be dismissed by the ushers. Thank God for your presence in this place. Have a blessed day. We, God loves you. I love you, but know that God loves you even more. God bless you all.